Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the youth director here at Sardis Fellowship Baptist Church. This week, Pastor Rod Heppel will be sharing with our ministry partners from Adult and Teen Challenge, a powerful ministry that focuses on addiction recovery. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. For those of you who've been a part of the life of Sardis Fellowship Baptist Church uh, for a number of years, you know who Teen Challenge is because we support them through the life and work of Sardis Fellowship, uh, mostly financially, but there are other connections that have been made. Last year was the first year that we actually had them come in to do one of their services with us. It was last August, and it was fantastic. We enjoyed it so much, I was like, we are going to have you back again next summer. <laughs> and here you are. I also had the privilege this last year of making a further personal connection to the Yarrow Men's Centre. The men are over here, and Surrey Women's Centre are uh, over on this side. And at the Men's Centre, they invited me in on, on Tuesday nights to, um, to share the Word of God. And not every Tuesday night, just one Tuesday night a month. And I've enjoyed that very much. In fact, the songs that we were singing here, that last one that we sang, I think I first heard it when I was at Teen Challenge. And you guys were in this, you got to understand, their, their chapel area is about the same square footage as this stage right here, right? And you get all these big guys in there, right? There's a few women, but it's mostly men. And, uh, and they put on the music on a YouTube video, and the, the sound just fills the whole room, and we're just worshiping together. And it's amazing, it's contagious, and I've appreciated it, and I appreciate you bringing that same kind of spirit to our worship service here today. I want to share with you a little bit, in case you don't know about who Teen Challenge is, and uh, so here's, here's a little bit about uh, their work and their mission and their vision. They've added the word adult, just so you're aware of the fact that uh, there are teenage challenge centers throughout the United States and in the rest of the world, but there's also adult centers. This, these ones we're talking about today are adults age 19 and up. So adult and teen challenge BC is their full name. We believe in transformation, not treatment. Our programs are long-term programs, a minimum of 12 month, months. We believe in sustained transformation, which is a lifetime discipling process, connecting students with healthy mentors. For their program, we exist to help people become mentally sound, emotionally balanced, socially adjusted, physically well, and spiritually alive. Our mission is to help people overcome life-controlling issues through Jesus Christ. Our vision is to put hope and freedom within reach of every person. Our values are faith, always believing God for the impossible, servant leadership, serving selflessly to help others thrive, community, working together as we support one another, impact, transforming society. You know, I can get behind that kind of language for mission and vision and values. There's a little write-up that they have on the history of uh, Teen Challenge. Uh, you can get this on their website too. And I, I read one paragraph there that I want to read to us this morning. It says this, Teen Challenge is one of the most successful programs of its kind and has been for over 60 years. Our continued victory is not because of the program itself, but because of the belief that God, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, can dramatically change lives. We believe in a creator who knows our hurts, our struggles, and our deepest desires. And if we submit ourselves to him, he will give us a life full of purpose, greater than anything we could have asked or imagined. Amen? And so, um, you know, the church goes beyond the four walls of any one local body or fellowship of gathering. The church is the called out people of God. 
And as the broader church, we are in partnership with and supporting Teen Challenge. We are here as a church family, and we have them here today because we want to say we believe in what you're doing. We know it's courageous. We know it's hard. We know that it's a battle to stick in the program and see it through to the end. And we support you, and we encourage you, and we bless you. And we are going to be blessed this morning from your sharing, which I also know takes a lot of courage for those of you who are going to be actually sharing this morning. In advance, we thank you for that because we know that that's not easy for you. I want to pray a prayer of blessing on you as you do that, and then I'm going to turn it over to Wendy, who will then lead us through what Teen Challenge has to share with us. Father, I do thank you for this ministry. I thank you for all those who are in leadership and all those who are in the program. And this morning, as we're about to hear from a number of the students in the program, I pray for your strength, your blessing, the empowerment of the Spirit to simply just share their hearts and to share their stories. May they be encouraged and rewarded for that. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. So Wendy, come on up. Wendy from the Surrey Women's Center is here today. And uh, I'll also say uh, Trevor is leading the Men's Center from Yarrow. So Trevor and Wendy, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you did all that because then I don't have to. Um, that was awesome. Um, something that um, has been really on my heart, I just want to thank you for having us here because I know we did... We did uh, um, one last year, and it was really good. I really enjoy coming and ministering to the body of Christ within churches. You know, and something that's been really on my heart in the last little while is about educating. Educating of what addictions is about and how so often we turn a blind eye to things that don't seem as significant. You know, and, and so we, we do focus right now just because it's such, such a crisis of the opiate conditions out there. And so as an average of every day, an average of six people die of an overdose. Most are men. Most are alone. And it's tragic. You know, it, it, the government is trying in, in the ways that they feel that can be helpful, but so much of it is not helpful. And we know that people can be free from addictions, from opiates, because we see it. We see it every day. We're watching people become free. And sometimes it's the use of it on the streets, and sometimes it's the use of it in their homes. Prescription drugs are on the rise because doctors don't know what else to do. So they hand out medication. Sometimes it's really necessary, but it can be abused. And, and then it becomes, it grips somebody, and then they don't see another way out. We often overlook alcoholism because sometimes, because it's sociably acceptable, it's fine in moderation, but we overlook what it does to somebody. And they start sneaking and hiding it and saying, yeah, I don't really drink that much. Minimize it. I'm not really like that person. I have a job. I have our family. I can still function. But inside, they're dying. We have seen the statistics say that alcoholism, deaths by alcohol, have gone up 25% in the last two years. It's tragic. It really is. And we sometimes ignore it and minimize it. But we have seen 
that increase because it's always about something else. It's always trying to fill something that's missing and that's usually that relationship with Jesus. The feeling that you don't belong somewhere. You're not significant. You're not worthy. You don't have anybody that loves you. Those are the core issues a lot of times that that drugs and alcohol and, and other addictions try to fill up. And so it doesn't matter what these guys and, and women come in with, whatever their addiction is, the solution is the same. Because we don't talk about what they used and where they were and, and all of that. It, we go to the heart of the matter because that's what God does. And God grieves. He grieves every time somebody continues in their lifestyle because they're hurting. Sorry. <laughs> you know, there's... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Is this used? <laughs> I had to do something. Um, thank you. You know, there's there's women. You know, I and I I know the guys, but not as not as um, commonly. But there's some women that have come through the program that that didn't stay, and they're out there and they're suffering. You know get that call and my heart grieves for them because they're stuck in that. And I just want to go and pick them out of the pit. And sometimes they choose something different because they're stuck. And we can see it on the streets here. We see it all the time. You know, we see it in Abbotsford and, and Chilliwack and Surrey and Vancouver and the problem just seems to be getting bigger, but you know what? We do one person at a time. We do one that comes in, one intake at a time, and then they can affect another person. They can, they can affect their families. But there's so many addictions that are out there right now that it seems almost hopeless, but it isn't, because Jesus is the hope. And he's the one that will make the difference in people's lives. There's so many families that sit in silence. Their kids are struggling. You know, I, I so want to get education and help to our kids. Because in elementary schools, they're learning about stuff from their peers that they just shouldn't be learning. And they continue on. And it becomes sociably acceptable I want education in the school system. I want, I want to catch people before they end up needing Teen Challenge. And, and it's sometimes really big. But if we can just, each one of us, just be aware of the people in your life. You may know a coworker or a neighbor or a, a relative that is struggling. Take, be courageous and call them on it and say that you love them and care for them and there's help out there. 
Because if we ignore it, it doesn't just go away. You know, and so I don't know why I felt on my heart to share that this morning. I know it's something that that I've been more and more in in, in different circles, non-Christian circles, just being more and more vocal about it because I think we need to. We can't just think that another ministry or a organization will take care of those people. It's got to be individually in our in our life, in our kids' lives, in their friends' lives, have an open door, be able to have those tough conversations. I just really encourage you with that. And so we are going to hear some amazing testimonies because then I know they're amazing because when they come in the door they're different people three months six months a year later they're different people they're transformed they've been redeemed they've been pulled out of the pit just like we sang today that's what God does pulls them out of the pit and sets them on a rock and a foundation that if they continue to walk with Jesus their life will be victorious and, and so I just want to encourage you to, to hear them out. I'm going to have the, the four that do uh, reality is, if you guys can come up. Who's starting? What is reality? Reality is being so involved in gangs, you end up getting shot. Reality is your best friend being stabbed to death over drugs. Reality is losing so many loved ones because of them overdosing. How do I know that was reality? Because that was me. Reality is trying to rescue and fix every stray and broken animal and person you can, you can so you feel needed and have value. Reality is starving yourself and binging and purging because you hate what you see when you look in the mirror. Reality is growing up in a loving Christian family, but using pills to numb the shame, guilt, and fear you feel for walking away from God. How do I know this is reality? Because that was me. Reality is getting kicked out of Teen Challenge for your prideful behavior. Reality is getting fired from your job as an English teacher because of your alcohol addiction. How do I know this is reality? Because this was me. Reality is supplying your friends and family with something that will eventually kill them. Reality is making two beautiful little girls second to a lifestyle that will eventually kill you as well. How do I know that is reality? Because that is me. Although we've all had different realities, we've all been transformed by the same truth. Truth is, God saved my life and gave me a second chance. Truth is, Jesus has freed me from the darkness. Truth is, the Holy Spirit has transformed me and given me true peace. Truth is, my value is found in Jesus, and his love and acceptance are free gifts for me to receive. Truth is, I'm a child of God, and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Truth is, I'm forgiven and loved. God has chosen me. Isaiah 43, 13 says, I am his and no one can snatch me out of his hand or undo what he has done. The, the truth is that Jesus loves me even though I've made mistakes. 
The truth is that God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. Daniel 9, verse 9. Truth is, it wasn't until I surrendered myself to our Lord Jesus that I realized my purpose here on earth is much greater than ruining other people's lives and my own. The truth is, those two beautiful little girls have always chosen me first over everything, and not another day will go by that I won't choose to do the same for them. So much more. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's what I like. Every single day, these men and women get to know about the truth of who God is, how much he cares about them, them personally, and growth happens. And probably the, the hardest thing about Teen Challenge is those relationships within... I don't know, maybe it's just the women's center, is it? <laughs> well, you throw a whole bunch of people together from different walks of life, different, different ages, different everything, and say, okay, get along. <laughs> so I, I commend them. I, I think it's a, it is a challenge for sure. But some of the greatest growth moments happen out of resolving those relationship issues. Because isn't our life about relationships? Isn't that what God has called us to do? Is to love one another, to support one another. We do that in, you know, churches. Churches sometimes have their relationship issues. Maybe you guys don't. Um, but some, some that I know. Uh, because we all want to do well. And we all have our own issues. And so when you bring a bunch of people together, they, they kind of come out. And when these guys are 24-7, yeah, it kind of comes out. But what I love is being able to resolve those and see growth happen and changes take place. And then families get restored. It's amazing. Um, so I'm going to call Pauline up. And she's going to do her testimony talking about families being restored. So, uh, My name is Pauline, and I took to heart this verse approximately three months into the Adult and Teen Challenge program. And I held on to his promise ever since. Exodus chapter 14, 13 and 14 reads, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance. The Lord will rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. I was born in 1960 and I'm the middle child of seven kids. My childhood was violent and abusive, and my younger brothers would run away some weekends. We ran away in the summer of 1971, only sneaking home to steal some food and cigarettes. We raided gardens and stole alcohol from campgrounds. We thought one beating was better than several that summer, but no one seemed to miss us much. 
1972, uh, we moved to Kamloops. My parents bought a house there, but it burned to the ground between Christmas and New Year's only after a few months of moving in. My brothers were looking for something under the bed with matches and were afraid to tell mom. They started a fire. They, they were afraid to tell mom they started a fire. The family was separated and we never really recovered emotionally as we were all sent to various relatives. At 14, I ran away to Asuyas and lived on the beach for six weeks with my friend. My mom did miss me this time. She had called the police, but there was no follow-up from them. But I was watched more carefully at home, and I believe my mom really tried hard to help me, but I was so rebellious by then. I disobeyed my mother and hit her for the first time. My dad was called, and he beat me so bad that social services got involved. At 15 years of age, I was moved from my home, put on assisted living, and I lived alone. My best friend had died in a drinking driving accident, and I had no relational support. I drank and smoked weed daily, and how I graduated in 1978 is beyond my comprehension. I was terribly lonely and heartbroken, and I haven't trusted much or anybody in my life for a long time for good reason. When I was 30 years old, my sister and I, my sister and I found out that she was the result of a rape. It was also about this time that my nephew at the age of six was showing signs of being sexually assaulted. He thought if he crouched into a small ball and didn't speak, he would be invisible. My own secrets came tumbling out and my own story was finally told from the psych ward. I couldn't help my nephew even though the police were made aware and he and his girlfriend are addicts still to this day. I felt hopeless betrayed, alone, and without help. Now, with God's help, I'll try and help them and their family. My story is one of a great struggle to stay healthy and sober and upright and to be a good mom. I've read hundreds of self-help books, though none that were Christian. I attended much counseling through Elizabeth Fry. I also spent six months at a woman's recovery center in Kelowna. Somehow I stayed sober for significant lengths of time, only to fall in despair again. I had so much sorrow in the center of my soul that nothing could fill. I met my first husband after graduating high school and hitchhiked to Ontario with him. I got pregnant and had my first child at 20. I ran from this violent marriage when I was seven months pregnant with my second child. My second child... My first child was born in Kitimat, B.C. I had uh, yet another short, violent... Oh, I was seven months pregnant with my second child, yeah. I can't see right now for the tears. <laughs> I had yet another short, violent relationship where he put his hands on my eldest daughter when she was three years old. Shortly after, I moved to Callens and had a housewarming party. My second husband showed up, and we stayed together for 22 years. He was a good man, but he worked away a lot. Again, loneliness set in, and when I was 35 years, I started to smoke cocaine and weed. And I also drank, and I was trying very hard to be a mom, good mom, but I failed miserably. I became a weekend addict, and it eventually spilled over into the, the week, and it was so bad I couldn't work steady. 
Both my daughters attempted to end their lives at 13 and 15 because of my addiction. My family was part, falling apart and I didn't know how to fix it and put it back together again. So I placed my children with family and friends while my husband and I went to recovery again. I managed to hang on, but later found out that he was still using. He died at work and his autopsy showed he had been using cocaine. His lungs were so bad they were like an 80-year-old smoker and he was only 42 years old. Again, I felt abandoned and angry, and I had no one to share my grief with. I met my third husband when I was working as a caregiver for seniors, and his mom needed help. He was going through a divorce. We dated for two years, and when his divorce was final, he bought a house for us. I lived with him for 18 years. He was violent, and the last five years were the worst. I left and went back several times. I finally got away for good, but every shelter was full. My daughter, who is a, my eldest daughter, who is a Christian, recommended a Dalton Cheen Challenge. I had no idea what a Dalton Cheen Challenge was about. I just wanted a safe place to hide and heal. In my interview to be accepted at a Dalton Teen Challenge, I shared I didn't know who I was anymore and I didn't know how to be in a healthy relationship. I didn't know it was a Christian group. I had no idea it was a year-long discipleship program. And <laughs> yeah, I tried to leave. I wanted to leave. Uh, yeah, first I, uh, first I got COVID. Then my teeth that he had knocked out all got infected. And then I got a sprained ankle, so God obviously wanted me there. He chose me to stay there. So and here I am, just shy of 12 months. In a couple of months, I'll graduate. And, uh, God, I can't see again. I love the Trinity. I'm a child of God, and I do have the most, relation, most important relationship. I thank God continuously for his word because I have purpose, and that purpose is to worship him and to live. God rescued me. He saved me. And on August 11, 2022, only 11 days into the uh, E.A.N.T. program, I was born again. My own stones were rolled away, and the weight and shame of my past was lifted. From walking most of my life in the darkness and feeling hopeless, helpless, and lonely, to looking up, looking up and being in the light is a miracle. I finally have hope for my future. I have since reconciled with the help of the Lord. They saw my transformation, and I'm reconciled with my daughters. They have secured a home for me, which is ready to move into. It's a beautiful property overlooking Mabel Lake. I look forward to my next season with hope and tremendous joy. I'll never, ever be alone again. I've learned so much from the leaders through this year at the discipleship program. I got some grief counseling, and God and I found each other at Adult and Teen Challenge, and I'm so grateful I don't have to grow old without my Father in heaven. I thank the Lord continually for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Even in this struggle, I thank God for my new identity. By your grace, Lord, I have chosen to win the battle. 
and I choose to live with you for all times. Praise the Lord and his family who waited patiently for me. Thank you for helping me forgive my past. It is impossible to do anything alone without him. So uh, I'll share a truth uh, written by Clara Williams. Hallelujah, I have found him. My soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing. And through his blood I now am saved. Forever and ever, amen. Thank you, Pauline. Yes, she will be graduating in August, so, yeah. Um, I'm going to ask Jesse to come up. And, uh, Hello, everybody. I'm Jesse. I'm uh, 24 years old. I got around eight months in the program so far. And uh, this is my testimony. I was born in 1999 in Calgary, Alberta. My parents separated a couple years after this, and my two sisters and I lived with my mom because she had custody. My father went to jail when I was five years old. I'm told this was a difficult time for me. I developed a bad stutter for a little while. My sisters would often finish my sentences for me when I struggled to. My mom is a God-fearing woman, and as a result, I grew up going to church. I'll just, I'll just add this in. I, I, grew, I went to church, but I never knew God, I don't think. I never truly understood God, which is interesting for someone who grew up going to church, right? I remember being at a Christian family camp during the summer at the age of 11. A leader there molested me while I was there. I repressed this memory for years. I think this hef- heavily influenced my trust in Christians around me. This man was jailed years later for another crime, and I'm sure his church community was appalled that they had put such a man in charge of children's ministry. I started having health issues at this time, as with my kidneys. Every time I got sick, I would swell up like a balloon with water retention. I would take very high doses of prednisone, which you don't know is anti-inflammatory, until it was under control, and I went back into remission with the disease. This would happen many times a year, the result being a sustained very high dose of prednisone for years, because every time I went off of it, I got sick again. Prednisone has many severe side effects, and I think it contributed to my emotional instability in my teens. At 12 years old, I became very depressed, and I started to battle feelings of self-loathing. I had fairly uh, geeky friends, I'll just (laughs) say it like that, but quickly replaced them with uh, pot-smoking and partying friends, I guess you could say the cool friends. And um, I think this reflected outwardly how I felt on the inside. I stopped attending church with my family and started to smoke weed and drink. When my mom confronted me about my behavior, we would argue. My My temper would erupt, and I would say things out of spite, things that to this day I am ashamed to have said. My dad was coming back into my life at this point, and he would take my sisters and I out to eat and visit. Eventually, my mom had had enough of my behavior, sent me to a program for troubled youth in uh, Saskatchewan, and I tried to, agreed to try it for a month. It was kind of like Teen Challenge, but it's, it's, it was kind of different in the fact I had literally no choice in the matter. <laughs> so, there was that. 
After a month, I was told I couldn't leave, so I decided to be as much trouble as possible so they would be forced to let me leave. One day, as one of the staff kept telling me how long I was going to be there and some other things that angered me, I assaulted him and I punched him in the face. I was quickly restrained by other staff charged with assault and got introduced to the youth criminal justice system. I ended up with a couple years of probation. I got released to a youth homeless shelter since I had nowhere to live anymore. Some of the older kids there showed me how to steal cars and commit burglary. I remember getting pats on the back for them when I did something that required gumption. Um, where was I? We banded together because we hated being broke and had no marketable skills to legitimately make money. I was 14 and still had to attend school, which obviously I skipped most of the time. My new buddies and I would skip school and stay out all night as we had little supervision. I frequently started getting in trouble with the police for breaching probation and new charges with stealing cars and burglary type things. I spent a lot of time in and out of uh, CYLC, which is the Calgary Young Offender Center. It's an acronym. And when I got out, I usually went to a new group home as I was under 18. I went to probably three or four different group homes, I think. I tried, uh, I was introduced to meth at one of these homes. It became an instant addiction with me as it made me forget the pain of my life. My, th my father took me in for around six months, but my behavior did not change and he kicked me out. I was 17 when I, my mom let me come back home and uh, I was crime free for a couple of years at this point. I signed up for a computer programming, fast track course, despite having no high school diploma. It was a college that was very new. I think they were desperate for students as I was enrolled. <laughs> I finished the course, but I was so deep in my addiction at this point, my grades were failing because I didn't complete assignments. I turned 18 in the middle of this course. A couple months after this, my mom gave me an ultimatum, go to rehab or be homeless, because either way I was getting kicked out again. I was at the secular rehab for a few weeks before leaving and back to couch surf, surfing and drugging and crime. I was by no means a professional, but I was fairly prolific in my larceny and theft, so I was in and out of jail. My friends and I started to get pretty well known by police, and things were getting dangerous as my drug addiction progressed. I narrowly avoided death or serious injury many times by only the grace of God. My world got darker and darker, and I could feel a coldness to the world around me, an emptiness in my heart. I started frequently having drug-induced psychosis as I increased in spiritual awareness. This led me to fear as I began to realize the dark forces that haunted me. Still, I did not know or seek God. It is, um, when you have awareness, but you're in a dark place, it's, it's almost worse. I was trying to discover who God is in this time, but I did not find him because I was looking in the wrong places. Most of the people I knew were using fentanyl, and a lot of them died from overdosing. I never used this drug because it was too dangerous. And if it's too dangerous for me, then uh, it's a pretty dangerous drug. That's for sure. I was in jail when I came to God and completely broken. I started going to chapel because it got me out of my cell. It was, a, uh, it was like a 22-hour lockdown a day in the Calgary Man. I started doing a course booklet by Gospel Echoes team. The first booklet was called God's Great Love. While I was doing this, I had my first revelation about who God is. I don't know what it was. It was, a, it was a stupid little booklet. It had the most simple stuff in it that I should have known a thousand times over. But uh, I had my first vision, revelation. I had a vision that I was deep in water, like I was drowning. 
and like a hand came and pulled me out of the water and it, uh, it was Jesus. It was kind of like the, uh, what you'd think Jesus would look like. I think he knew what I thought he looked like. <laughs> so he decided to look like that so I'd know it was him. And uh, yeah. So it was a vision but it was also emotional. It was like he had, he had tears in his eyes and he embraced me like in a hug. And I heard about it in church and read about it, but I never truly understood God's forgiveness until that moment. I started to cry. I remember trying to do it quietly so uh, my roommate wouldn't hear and think I was soft or something. And uh, after this, I started to read my Bible. I would talk with my mom on the phone about the Bible if I didn't understand something. I began to look for a rehab center, and I realized there are faith-based rehab centers. So I thought, uh, why don't I kill two birds with one stone? My mom told me about uh, Adult and Teen Challenge. It took a few months to get out of jail, but I made it, and I found myself exactly where God wants me to be. I came to BC as I felt God uh, telling me, calling me to BC. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt in my life as I try and lower my defenses in order for God to heal me from the inside out. I have many things to work on, past traumas to deal with, but I know everything will be okay. Long as I trust in the Lord and do not rely on my own strength, God, through the great people at Adults and Teen Challenge BC, has given me the one thing all the money in the world can't buy, and that's hope. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 4.28. says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Okay, I'm done. Thanks, Jesse. So I hope you guys have been blessed just by the, the stories and the redemptions that, that we were able to share. And I want to thank you so much for, for having us here. I was just looking for you. There you are. <laughs> um, and so thank you again. Thank you, Wendy. Pauline, Jesse, we can't thank you enough for being willing to stand up here and share your stories with us. You've been honest and vulnerable. It takes incredible courage to do that. We pray that God will continue to work his work of healing, as you've just indicated, Jesse, from the inside out. We all have our own stories. We all have our own struggles. We all live through this world with the marks that come our way. It doesn't matter who you talk to out here this morning. You are going to hear stories of brokenness, stories of sin, stories of frustration and hurt and all of that. We are all connected through living through this world. No one gets through unscarred. But the grace of God reaches down, as your story says, very visually to each and every one of us. And that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ for each and every person. And so to our own congregation that's here, I don't know what you're facing, but if you're facing a struggle of some level of brokenness or addiction, don't do it alone because you can't. You can't do it alone. We are the body of Christ and we need each other. 
If you're here today and you want to support uh, Adult and Teen Challenge, I just want to help you understand a little bit of what they do. You're going to see some of their products that they uh, make out here for sale. The reason why they're doing this kind of like sustainable uh, ministry is, is that their annual budget for, I believe, the men's center is $850,000. I'm not sure if it includes the women's center or not, but it does not. $160,000 comes from the government. That leaves $690,000 to be covered through other ways. 350000 are through general donations that come from individuals and churches. And the rest is made up through these kinds of initiatives. So they have on the Yarrow side, this farm store where they sell all sorts of products. The women have Blessed Essentials where they sell like soaps and different kinds of craft type things. They're on display as well that you'll see out there. Uh, they have these cool wisdom teas and these men might scare you if you met them on the street, except for their shirts are all about the power of God in their lives. And so they sell these shirts. And then they have Good Taco, which is located down in Garrison. Maybe you've been to it, you've seen it. Um, that is one of their avenues for trying to generate income to support the center in Yarrow. And so if you go for lunch somewhere, hey, why not go to Good Taco and support them? Uh, coming up um, in a couple of weeks for the Women's Center, there's going to be an open house in Surrey, which is really right on Langley. Uh, yeah, Langley. It's not that far. Surrey sounds so far away, but Langley's pretty close. So July 6th, uh, July 29th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Women's Center. And it's kind of like uh, 16th Avenue and 194. So it's not that far. It's about 50 minutes according to my GPS. Men's Center is in Yarrow, August 19th, same time frame. If you'd like to support them in that way, you can. Our church is also giving our next benevolent offering in a couple of weeks, uh, which will go to support um, this ministry. Uh, you might want to support them privately and personally. You can. You can always make a donation directly to them. Um, we support annually uh, through our benevolent fund and our missions committee budget. Um, come to their open house, I've already said. But you might be a person who says, hey, I want to do more. I want to make life-to-life -life connection. I would invite you to speak with Wendy and Trevor. Which one is Trevor? Please raise your hand, Trevor, for the Men's Center. If you'd like to find out about maybe how you could be a mentor or part of their program in a more life-to-life um, -life significant way, please speak to them, and I'm sure that they'd be happy to direct you. I want to close today with a passage of scripture that I was reading this morning. It's a prayer from the Apostle Paul to a church in Ephesus uh, and to the surrounding churches. And so it's Paul's prayer for them, which I think obviously fits for us as well. I won't read the whole passage, but it starts off by saying, For this reason I kneel before the Father. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. For now and ever, ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.